Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. We believe in the American way, and we built this country called the USA, and we fly our flag because we're proud and free. We're Americans. Red, white, and blue is our way of life. Never back down from a challenge or a fight. Nature provides, God gives the rights, we're Americans. Welcome, patriots, to our Convention of States podcast, titled That Provident Article, a reference given to Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution by James Madison. Our opening theme music is Amazing America, used by permission of Madison Rising. America's most patriotic rock band and endorsers of the Convention of States Project. This podcast series is a weekly discussion concerning the fifth article of the U.S. Constitution, the amending provision, with a general view on the phrase Convention for Proposing Amendments and specific focus on the Convention of States Project. For more information regarding the Convention of States Project, please visit www.conventionofstates.com. My name is Paul Hodson. And I've been a volunteer with the Convention of States Project in Texas since early 2014. Our goal is to continually educate ourselves on Article 5, to bring timely information relating to the Convention of States Article 5 movement, and to promote the use of Article 5 to rein in our federal government. And good morning. It is November 19, 2016. This is Paul Hodson with the Convention of States Project co-director here in the great state of Texas. We are on the air live Saturday morning. Uh, It is great to be with you again. We are going to try and discuss really quickly this morning the election ruminations, results, and reactions. First, we want to get to a little bit of news. Of course, we always want to direct you to uh, our Convention of States site and the the blog news site on the Convention of States, www.conventionofstates.com. And we also want to go ahead and remind you that each state has its own own blog, uh, their own their own state site. It's uh, www.cosaction.com forward slash, and then you put your state name in there, underscore blog. So for North Carolina, it's www.cosaction.com forward slash, North underscore Carolina underscore blog. Uh, for the great state of Texas here, we have www.cosaction.com forward slash Texas underscore blog. Or you can just put the state name in there and you go straight to their homepage and there's there's links on the right or some of the states have them up at the top for their events, their blogs, uh, other things that they may have in their state. Also want to remind you of uh, our co-director here in Texas and our national media director, Tamara Colbert. She hosts Constitutional Coffee every Thursday at 11 o'clock Eastern time on the Convention of States Project Facebook page almost every Thursday. I'm going to bet she may not host it this coming Thursday with Thanksgiving. And I know last Thursday she was actually busy driving, heading to an event uh, here in in Texas. Um, But try as she might uh, to try and get on there pretty much every Thursday. And you can also see back episodes there on the Convention of States Project Facebook page. Also want to remind you that uh, you can support Convention of States while you're e-shopping. And with the holidays coming, that's a big deal with Amazon. Uh, you go there with uh, the the link is https colon forward slash forward slash smile dot amazon dot com 
and you go ahead and put in your, your login information for Amazon, and then it will ask you uh, which, uh, which uh, organization you wish to support while you're shopping. And you can search for Citizens for Self-Governance in Austin, Texas. That's our parent company for Convention of States Project. So a portion of what you purchase, a little portion of that, will end up going to Citizens for Self-Governance to help the Convention of States folks here. And then, again, we have weekly webinars. Those, you can find those on the Convention of States site every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. And at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, there are, there are webinars that you can listen in on. You can watch along on your, on your computer as they are typically uh, screens that to follow through, follow on, uh, as there's some training for new people coming on, for our district captains, for all of our state leaders, some great training available there on the weekly webinars. Uh, we haven't been on uh, consistently for quite a while. Uh, we were on a couple weeks ago, and we're on again this morning. So we haven't even covered some of the other news. We had, of course, the simulated convention, a huge success in Williamsburg in September, September 21st through the 23rd. Um, and you can find that on our, on our homepage, www.conventionofstates.com. And there's a, there's a big red banner where you shoot, which you can click to take you straight to everything about the simulated convention. And for those of us who are really into this, that almost seven hours of the floor debate and proposals of amendments was riveting, absolutely riveting to watch watch the process take place, absolutely fascinating. So highly recommend if you have questions about how it works, how the Convention of States works, that is a great opportunity to, to learn about it, to see it in action. Some of us have to see things to understand how they actually function, and that was just an amazing, amazing experience that we all got to watch live as it streamed in, and it's now available on video. Uh, one other note, uh, of course, here it is, end of November, we're heading up on state legislative sessions getting underway. There's a site, probably several sites, but there's one site which lets you see the calendars for all the different state legislatures. It's at uh, www.statescape.com forward slash resources, and there's a forward slash legislative. Uh, and once you get in there, there's a, a session schedules. You want to click on the check the next year tab for all of the 2017 calendars per state. Uh, Pretty fascinating information if you want to keep track of where things are going and and who's going to be up and who works really fast. Some states are done really, really quickly. States like, uh, I believe, Utah and Kentucky get through. They have very short sessions. Uh, we think Texas has a short session with 140 days. Some of those sessions in other states are over before we even have a, a chance to vote on anything uh, because it's, we have a rule in Texas 60 days before a vote can be taken unless there's, uh, unless there's an extenuating circumstance, either an emergency item uh, indicated by the governor or a four-fifths vote from both houses, which uh, my understanding is either rare or has never been done because to get 80% of a state body to agree on something is pretty extraordinary. All right, what we want to discuss today since the elections occurred uh, Goodness, it was only 10, 11 days ago, and uh, here we are. We're already in our transition mode and, and have a lot of that behind us. But we want to discuss ruminations, results, and reactions, and, and ruminations from both major parties. This is what people were considering before the election, and we heard this from both sides. And if you're on social media, you certainly got pounded by this from both sides, people who expressed that there would be dire consequences 
if the opposition nominee were to be elected president, it didn't matter which side you were on, whether you were a Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal, you know, progressive or constitutionalist, whatever, however you want to divide yourselves, there were people who were deeply concerned about what would happen if the other nominee were to be elected. Uh, I think more in my lifetime, more focus on that than I've ever seen. Uh, in fact, big time, there were a lot of people who were just concerned about the direction the country would take. So that's kind of the groundwork for where we want to start is that this was a concern from pretty much everyone that, that the other side is going to, there's going to be problems and it's going to be, it's going to be challenging for us. Well, what about the results? What happened in the election? Just going to go to the, the facts, not, not as to why it happened, but what actually happened. Republicans had gains and they had holds. Uh, the gains certainly in the executive branch for the presidency, they, they gained there with Donald Trump taking the presidency. Uh, they held on the legislative branch in both the Senate and the House. There were there were some lost seats, but not enough to sway over to the Democrat side. So we have at the federal level both the executive branch and the legislative branch now once again under the control of one of the parties. Uh, we've had that quite a bit actually in the last 16 years. The Republicans had that for six years of the George W. Bush presidency, and the Obama administration had both branches uh, during the first two years. So that's eight of the last 16 years. One party has been in complete power. And then uh, the other six years have been split. And, and part of that time, I think 2010 to 2014, the Republicans held the House, but not the Senate. So uh, this is a chance for, for Republicans, if they want to show that they can govern, they have the opportunity. But the biggest gain from a convention of states perspective and is in the state legislatures. Uh, we had a net gain of two more states who have gone Republican, both houses. So 33 state legislatures are now Republican. And Nebraska, if you want to count them uh, as a unicameral state, only only one house, uh, they don't uh, they don't have a partisan. Uh, uh, they are not marked as a partisan group, either Republican or Democrat, they're just independent, uh, but most people would have them more on the conservative side. So you could consider that Nebraska might be the 34th state if you're leaning towards Republican. Of course, we, we see our issue as it's not Republican or Democrat, which is why we started with what the ruminations are. Both, both sides have the same concerns, and we'll dive into that in a minute. Only seven state legislatures are now Democrat, both houses. So um, there's a significant opportunity for Republicans if they want issues which they actually support to get through from the state level to go ahead and make that happen. Well, what about reactions for, from the citizens and the pundits uh, of what occurred last, uh, a week ago, Tuesday, Tuesday the 8th? You know, the, the, those reactions from the citizens and the pundits have been consistent with their ruminations, right, what they were considering. There was a fear that the winners would exercise unconstitutional authority. Now, how you define unconstitutional probably depends on where you're at, but there was certainly a great fear that uh, whoever won would exercise that authority, and now we are seeing, uh, we are seeing some demonstrations which show despair. Uh, there are protests over either unfairness or an undemocratic process. And there's an alarm. We're even seeing some uh, 
some reports and some articles written that state legislatures now collectively, what we just mentioned with 33 state Republican houses, the state legislatures can collectively now have a, par- have a partisan power to call an Article 5 amending convention. People are starting to pay attention to that uh, around the nation at the, uh, at the level in which there are pundits and bloggers and uh, you know, mainstream media articles coming out realizing that the Republicans over the last six years especially have made significant gains at the state level and have a lot of control there. What that means for the convention of states, we're going to find out because uh, our biggest opposition actually has been from within the Republican Party so far. Um, what about reactions, not just from the citizens and the pundits, but what about Congress? You know, it didn't take long. Same day that the election results were announced, what was one of the issues which Donald Trump uh, stated at his Gettysburg uh, speech just several weeks before the election? Uh, his, his points that he was going through, one of his first ones was term limits. He wanted to put... He wanted to propose and promote term limits on Congress. It was hours, literally hours after the election results were, were stated and Hillary Clinton had conceded that Mitch McConnell, who was the uh, Senate Majority Leader, had said that term limits not on his agenda. So, and he also was asked about you know, the filibuster rule. Would you, would you work with that so that it would be easier, if you modify that, easier to get judiciary uh, appointments with the advice and consent of the Senate. And he has already stated that will not be modified. He's going to make it easy again to filibuster and to block uh, what, you know, if the Democrats want to block something, they can. Filibuster is not uh, in the Constitution. The ability to make the rules from the Senate, that's in the Constitution. They can change that if they wish to. And that's something the Democrats did when they were in power to block uh, George W. Bush. Uh, they they were able to modify that to be able to keep uh, judiciary appointments, not just at the Supreme Court, but especially at the lower levels, to be able to block things and to uh, the Bush administration from being able to appoint justices. The uh, Republicans apparently are not considering that right now. We heard earlier this week that Congress was considering bringing back earmarks, something which Senator Tom Coburn fought so hard to uh, get rid of and here we are, the Republicans take power, and it doesn't take them long to go back to their old habits and to consider earmarks. I, I think that's dead for the moment, but don't be surprised if that comes back. Uh, they just can't seem to help themselves to spend money and to spread it around and to redistribute wealth. Uh, it doesn't matter who's in power, and the Republicans are just as bad as the Democrats. They're all – it's collusion, as Senator Mike Lee has said before – uh, the collusion of the federal government. Basically, business as usual in Congress, it looks like we're already seeing just days after the election of a new president from a, a different party. So change in personnel did not help. What's the analysis? Well, the citizens' fears of dire consequences are really rooted when, when you see protests. First of all, when you saw concerns before the election and protests and, and rallies against Donald Trump, uh, those are rooted in the understanding. It's a true understanding. They're right about this. Everybody who's concerned is right about this. The structural constraints of our Constitution, uh, the Constitution used to provide, are broken. That's what's really being stated when you listen to this. I, I know you can, you can psychoanalyze way deep into what people are frustrated about, but their biggest concern is 
the Constitution itself is, is no longer a constraint, is no longer a protection. Their structure is no longer there to keep uh, a president or an administration from running rampant over people's rights or perceived rights. However, you, the process is broken. Uh, that's really what it comes down to, is that if somebody can basically uh, circumvent the process and, and get their policy implemented without going through the process, uh, it works both ways, depending on who's in power. And, and both sides uh, of the political ideological spectrum have abused this for decades. So a change in personnel is not going to address the structural damage and abuse that's been done to our Constitution. The, the new personnel in charge, as we've seen, they're already indicating they are not interested in structural remedies. They're not interested in term limits. They're not, there's no talk at all about uh, constraining the budget, constraining spending. Um, it's, it's very, you know, there's already talk about, let's have, let's bring back earmarks, let's bring back goodies. Let's spend our tax dollars on somebody else's project. So policies get put in place, and, and we had a great conversation. Tamara uh, Colbert and I were down at the, in Austin at our Capitol on Tuesday, and we ran into, uh, we dropped in on, on one of our, our uh, friendly state representatives and had a conversation with him, and, and you know he hit it right on that uh, the nail on the head, talking about the the previous administration or, or the current administration. They aren't out out yet, uh, doing so many things, uh, not following the process. When you do that, you are immediately in danger if personnel changes, which is not friendly to your policy, they can undo it without going through the process. And, and he made that point that you're going to live with not going through the process, you're going you're gonna to live and die by that. And now you're, all your hopes are built on personnel, not on the structure of your government. The whole point of the Convention of States project is to return and restore the structure so that we aren't concerned about personnel changes so much. So policies put in place outside of the constitutional constraints are susceptible to being replaced when the personnel are replaced. And that means there's no stability or confidence in policy. And that's what we're seeing. Uh, people who are used to having one policy enforced are now very, very concerned because their personnel did not win. And since their personnel did not win, uh, there's great danger of their policy being taken out. Uh, so that's, there's no stability there. And that's either side, right? If, another, if the other side wins, you would have businesses who would be concerned that the policies would continue to be in place and you would not be able to fix them because uh, it's all being done by personnel, not by structure. So what's the solution? Uh, we're going to wrap up, and then I'll have a little bit of time for calls if anybody wishes to call in, if anybody's even listening. Uh, if I'm talking to myself, it's still fine because I learn. Uh, solution from the Convention of States, we the people can redress the structural damage through our state legislatures, urging them to apply for an Article 5 Convention for Proposing Amendments, as it states right there in the Constitution. So the Convention of States resolution, our application, once approved by two-thirds of the states, will provide a venue to discuss and propose amendments regarding the following subjects. Fiscal restraint, think of that as spending and taxing structure. Term limits, personnel qualifications, that's talking about personnel qualifications. Again, talking about the structure of uh, qualifications for people who fill, fill offices, and not just Congress, 
uh, we're looking at the judiciary, obviously, term limits there. There's, there's no uh, constraints on how long judges can serve at this time. And uh, the third subject, subject uh, in our subject matter application is to limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. And this is about all about redressing the structural abuse from all three branches of the federal government, from the legislative, uh, those are the ones, you know, the legislature is the one who approves of any regulatory agencies. Uh, the executive, they administer those regulatory agencies. And then the judiciary, which has, uh, from both sides again, has dictated policy and legislation uh, from the bench, rather than simply interpreting a law and simply holding it to the parties involved, rather than applying it across the board to the entire nation. Uh, they have greatly, all of them have greatly overstepped their bounds, and the Convention of States Resolution provides the opportunity, a venue, that would be a convention, in which the amendments can be discussed, proposed, uh, as Mark Meckler likes to say, their suggestions, their uh, suggestions which get sent out to the states for ratification. Nothing changes the Constitution when the convention is held and then finished with proposed amendments. It goes straight up. Those go out to ratification. Uh, again, I, I highly recommend you watch the simulation. Uh, six amendments came out of that simulation out of eight that were proposed and uh, just that very practice that they didn't, they didn't even get nine that they wanted to have proposed on the floor. They could only come up with eight. And of those eight, only six passed. It uh, shows you that they were thinking carefully and there were were concerns about several of the amendments, and all of them, even the six that got passed, got tweaked and uh, reworked during that floor debate with uh, minor amendments and wording. Uh, just a great process to watch. Well, what actions can you take as, as we get ready to close and possibly take some calls? So uh, if you wish to call, again, the phone number is, the call-in number is, 914-205-5632, 914-205-5632 if you wish to call in. But what can you do? What about the Convention of States? So there's a, a group out there. What are they doing? Well, we now have more than 2.1 million citizens nationwide in our movement. Uh, so the first thing you can do is join with those 2.1 million uh, liberty-loving patriots. Sign the petition. It's real simple. Go to www.conventionofstates.com. It should prompt you for a place to sign our petition and join. You can also volunteer to assist in our efforts around, the, around, the, around your state. Uh, the simplest thing to do is to agree, I'm going to write emails and make phone calls to my state legislator. That's all I did in late August of 2013. That's what I signed up to do. I can do that. I can write emails and make phone calls to a state legislator. Or... Uh, if you want to go a step further, you can apply for a leadership position. We're always looking for district captains. We need to fill those in every state. Uh, those are the grassroots leaders in your state legislator's district. Those are really the heart and soul, the district captain, the heart and soul of the Convention of States movement because they are the, our, our local leaders. They know their state legislator. Uh, they will or will get to know them, and they know what's going on, the politics on the ground, uh, and how they can get people to move towards supporting the Convention of States and getting their legislator to move to support, or if their legislator already supports, to continue to give them that support and to help them uh, face any opposition they might have. Let them know that they're out there and they're supported and uh, that we have their back. 
So that's part of getting integrated into the process. We've discussed that before on on the uh, on our that Provident article podcast here. Different ways to get integrated in the process. That's all local level again. Meeting with other liberty loving patriots in your community, and there are various organizations, either your your political party organizations or liberty organizations that are out there. Uh, any type of meetings in which you can can meet with other patriots. Uh, Speak with them about the Convention of States project, about the movement in your state. Speak with them about the legislators, your your local state legislators uh, in your district. Uh, you know, here in Texas, it's senators and representatives. Other other states, it's assemblymen or delegates. Whatever their name or their title is, you know that they're your you know who your state representatives, your your state legislators are. And finally, highly recommend if you have the opportunity and try and make the opportunity. Visit your state capitol while they're in session. Visit them. Meet them where they work. Uh, go to their offices. There is nothing more powerful to a legislator than getting to the capitol in person and showing that you have a great interest in what they are doing and that you have a great passion for what you are supporting. Uh, a quick plug here in Texas, Tuesday, December 6th, we are very, very excited here in Texas. Our resolution is going to be uh, is going to be filed on December 6th, pre-filing here in Texas, and, and we're excited with uh, on both the House and Senate side, our, our House sponsor, Representative Rick Miller, who's carrying our bill again, as he did last session, going to file on December 6th, and our State Senator, uh, Senator Brian Birdwell, is going to file on the Senate side same day, and we're going to have a big, big event down at the State Capitol in Austin. We already have well over 100 people who've said they're going to be there, and we just put the word out uh, less than 36 hours ago statewide that we were doing that. Uh, we're excited. It's going to be great. Uh, with that, I'm going to open it up to the phones. I don't see any phone calls on the line, which means I can dance for about three more minutes, and I may not take that much time. Uh, I encourage you all to go out to the conventionofstates.com website, to go out to your state websites, to start contacting your state leadership uh, if you're already involved and find out what else it is you can do to help. Uh, I know the holidays are, are coming up and that's uh, they're all going to be busy with family and you're going to be busy with family, uh, but we're also ramping up for, for legislative sessions. This is a big time of year. Uh, if you haven't already got things squared away in your state, and I don't know of any state that is 100% comfortable and says we're going to slam dunk this through as soon as we start. No state is in that position. I know Texas is not in that position at this point, and a lot of people think we are the strongest state getting ready to pass that there is in the nation. And we have challenges just like every other state has, and in fact, it's fascinating to see the similarities in how things work across the nation. One or two people can muck up the works in your legislature. It can be at the committee level. It can be uh, at a higher leadership level. Uh, any of those type of things can grind your process to a halt, and now is the time to lay that groundwork and find out where your obstacles are, uh, what what your team strategy is in your state. Strategies are different. There's not a one-size-fits-all. And, uh, you know, help your state leaders out. Uh, give them the information you have from on the ground, the intel you have locally uh, with your particular legislators, why they are supportive. You know, there may be... There may be strange reasons that they're supportive, and that it's just I'm going to follow along because that's what uh, other people want 
want me to do or they have great support and they still may not understand it, it's helpful if you can educate your legislator. Uh, we don't want just them supportive. We want them to be truly behind us, not just looking for their vote. We want them to be educated and be able to explain this to their constituents because they're going to get asked. This is not a 100% support in each person's district, right? This is you're going to have 64, 60% for, 40% against, 80% for, 20% against. A lot of times the people who are against can make a lot of noise. And uh, we want our legislators to know that, that not only are they supported, we want them to be able to give some, some answers to questions they're going to get. So that's my encouragement for you today. Um, remember that, that people who are frustrated with, with what happened, in the they, are, they are very, very concerned that the structure of our federal government is beginning to fail. And we have the opportunity to help them and to encourage them, come on along with us. It can be restored. There's a way to do that through the Convention of States project, www.conventionofstates.com. Uh, don't know if I'll be back next week, Thanksgiving weekend, but we'll see. And then my December gets real crazy. But it's been great talking with you again, and we'll see you. And thank you once again for listening to that Provident article. We appreciate your listening. My name is Paul Hodson. I'm the co-director here in Texas, the Convention of States Project. We want to thank Madison Rising for all the music that they provide here, our intro and outro. Go out to their website, www.madisonrising.com. We invite you also to go out to our Convention of States website, www.conventionofstates.com. We want to thank the Convention of States Project, Mark Meckler, founder and president, Citizens for Self-Governance, Michael Ferris, head of the Convention of States Project, and a big, big thank you to our entire Texas Convention of States team. And we invite you to join us again next week for another episode of That Provident Article.